you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 57 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now, let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you so much for praying for me and my family and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Thank you for praying for my job situation. I got that all locked down now, um, teaching special ed, and I couldn't be happier. Also, thank you to my new Patreon subscribers. Uh, if you want to check out my Patreon, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Baker, and you'll get two videos a month. One is an introduction to either an early Christian document or an early Christian writer. And those videos are generally like 15 to 20 minutes long. And then another video is an acoustic version of one of my original songs. And I'm taking specific requests from those Patreon subscribers to uh, as to which songs I put out uh, the videos of. So please go over there and check it out. For $5 a month, you get those two uh, two videos. So yeah, today we're looking at episode 57 of Reclaiming the Faith called Undivided Hearts. And it's based on the beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And we're going to look at this through the lives of uh, Peter and Judas and Moses and Jesus and the Sanhedrin. And we'll get an early Christian quote from Irenaeus in there as well. I think you're going to be really blessed by this episode. Well, if you are blessed by this episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and give a rating and review, and it'll help other people find this podcast. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, I'd please encourage you to do that as well. If you have any questions about this podcast, you can email me at email s baker at gmail.com and I'll be happy to answer those. Uh, if you want to visit my web my website, um, it's philsbaker.com and you can find links to my music, to my book, my blog, uh, this podcast. Everything's there. The Patreon, yeah, philsbaker.com. And speaking of my book, I wrote a book in 2016 called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, which I'd encourage you to check out. And if it's a blessing to you, please leave a rating and review. I put out an EP of five songs a, a couple months ago called the Love and War EP. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. And working on another EP now, uh, it's either going to be seven or eight songs. So please be in prayer for that. Some new music out to you. And... Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Fall's Fourth Watch Radio Network along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. So if you have a question about anything about scripture or maybe an ethical dilemma, you can write me or send an email to BDK and we'll be sure to answer those on Ready With An Answer. And uh, just lastly, the early Christian quotes that I use can generally be found on the 
anti-Nicene, the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can find for a mere $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. All right, well, without any further ado, let's get episode 57 rolling. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is such a powerful beatitude, but I think it's one that sometimes is misunderstood. Often when we think about being pure in heart, we can think about like purity rings, like saving ourselves for marriage, which is something we're definitely supposed to do. Or we can think about staying sexually pure in our thoughts, which is absolutely something we're supposed to do, but it's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here in this beatitude. When he says, blessed are the pure in heart, this this word pure means to be unmixed or undivided. So think about like the unmixed definition. I remember when I was a little kid and we would go to the cafeteria like Luby's, if you're familiar with that, um, I saw my brother put some lemon in his Coke and I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I should do that too. And so I put lemon in my Coke. And then <laughs> one of my relatives looked at me uh, like I was crazy. Like, that's so disgusting. My relative being like a Coke purist <laughs> in a sense, right? And because I was, I was mixing this Coke with something foreign. So it was no longer pure. It was mixed. Or you can think about this aspect of being undivided. In, in, in our purity, undivided. Uh, you know, the word integrity finds its origin in our word integer. An integer in math is a whole number. So one, two, three, four, five, right? These are all whole numbers. 1.5 is not a whole number. And so the opposite of something that's that has integrity, that's whole, is something that's fragmented, that's split. And you can think about this in regards to hypocrisy. So it's like a person's personality is is kind of fragmented based on what situation they find themselves in, what friends they're around, what setting they're in. One person at home, one person at school, one person with friends, one person out on the road by themselves in groups, right? They're fragmented. This is not whole. This is not pure in a sense. So to help illustrate this uh, even more, blessed are the pure in heart, those who are unmixed, those who are undivided. You can think about the differences between Peter and Judas. Both made some really bad mistakes, but one Jesus trusted and brought into like the close inner circle group and the other he did not. Peter is a man that you can trust. Now, Peter might make some horrible mistakes, but with Peter, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get with Peter. With Judas, what you see is not what you get. His motives were impure. They were mixed, right? He was a thief from the beginning, pretending to care about the poor 
only so that he could stuff his pockets. Mixed motives, impure, both make mistakes. But one, Jesus brings into his inner circle and the other, he doesn't. And that's based on this aspect of purity of heart, being unmixed in motives, undivided, someone who has integrity, generally speaking, right? And you can see this illustrated in Psalm 145, verse 18. Psalm 145 is um, it's one of my favorite psalms for many reasons, many really, really amazing truths found in Psalm 145. But verse 18 may be my favorite verse of Psalm 145. And it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. But he clarifies, to all who call upon him in truth, in sincerity, right? God is going to reveal himself to people who call on him, but not to everyone who calls on him, to the people who call on him in sincerity, in truth. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. And a person that we see in the Old Testament that definitely exemplifies this, this beatitude is Moses. Now, of course, Moses, like Peter, he, uh, he had his faults, right? Moses was a murderer, um, hid the body in the sand, right? But over the course of his lifetime, gener- generally speaking, Moses is thought of as a person of integrity, of single-mindedness, of uh, unmixed motives, an undivided heart. Let's think about Exodus chapter 33, verse, starting in verse 7. This is uh, after the Israelites have received the Ten Commandments. And so they're, they're in the wilderness, and this is what it says. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not, not depart from the tent. Moses was a man who was undivided in his heart. He was a man who had unmixed motives. Moses wanted to be with God. He was a man fully devoted to the Lord. He was a man that what you see is what you get. Good days, bad days, There's no guile in Moses. What you see is what you get. And he's a man that wants 
to meet with God. And so God meets with him. But, of course, Moses is not our example. Our ultimate example is Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 3, tells us that there is a greater Moses, kind of like Deuteronomy 18 tells us that there would be a prophet who would come after Moses, who would be basically a greater Moses, because whoever does not listen to him will be completely cut off from God's people, right? Peter quotes that passage in Acts chapter 3 when he's speaking to the crowds after healing the man at the gate called Beautiful. Hebrews chapter 3 kind of speaks to this, this point even more. Jesus is a greater Moses. It says, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, not Moses. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. But Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Moses talked to the Lord as if, as a man would speak to another man face to face, but it's nothing like the communion, the engagement that Jesus, the Son, has with the Father. And in John chapter 5, starting in verse 19, we see this very clearly. Jesus answered the crowds and said to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you may marvel. Or in John chapter 1, no one has seen God at any time. This is verse 18. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. He has revealed him. Moses was faithful in God's house to tell us what God, to tell the Israelites what, what God had said, but he is nothing like Jesus was. He doesn't compare. He just like Jesus would say about John the Baptist, of those born among women, no one is greater than John. And yet John would say, I'm not even worthy to untie Jesus's sandals. So Jesus fully demonstrates to us this idea of being pure of heart, being unmixed, undivided, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But 
as we're going to see in uh, a future beatitude, one that's two away, the last beatitude, if you are really seeking to live for God with an undivided heart, you are going to be persecuted for it by people whose hearts are mixed, just like Moses was persecuted by his own people that led that he led out of Egypt because they had mixed motives. So was Jesus. In John chapter 19, Jesus is standing before Pilate. He's accused of uh, insurrection, basically against Caesar. And this is the charge that the uh, Sanhedrin knows will get him executed. And these Sanhedrin people, uh, the people of the Sanhedrin, um, the Sadducees and Pharisees, these ruling chief priests of the Jews, they claim to worship God, and yet God is looking them right in the face, and they don't recognize him. Why is that? Let's look at John 19, starting in verse Eight. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? But Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release Jesus, but the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. So Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered him, We have no king but Caesar. So he then handed him over to them to be crucified. These leaders of the Jews, these the holiest people on earth, in one sense, had completely mixed motives. They had become sellouts to Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. That is a blasphemous statement. God is the king. He's the king, as Psalm 145 says. And yet they, for the sake of power and uh, protection and security, have chosen to merge their loyalties with Caesar. And yet you can't do that. You can't serve two masters, can you? These impure hearts are causing them to miss seeing the Messiah for who 
he is. Now, I want to transition a little bit to a more apocalyptic uh, view of this, of this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And to do that, I want to lean a little bit on Irenaeus. Irenaeus, is, he was the bishop of Lyon in France around 180, and he was a disciple of Polycarp who is a disciple of the Apostle John. And this is what Irenaeus says about this beatitude. For prophecy is a prediction of things future. That is, a setting forth beforehand of those things which shall be afterwards. The prophets then indicated beforehand that God should be seen by men. As the Lord also says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. But in respect to his greatness and his wonderful glory, no man shall see God and live. For the Father is incomprehensible, but in regard to his love and kindness and as to his infinite power, even this he grants to those who love him, that is, to see God, which thing the prophets did also predict. Quote, for those things that are impossible with men are possible with God. For man does not see God by his own powers, but when he pleases, he is seen by men, by whom he wills, and when he wills, and as he wills. For God is powerful in all things, having been seen at that time indeed prophetically through the Spirit." And seen too adoptively through the Son, and he shall also be seen paternally in the kingdom of heaven, the Spirit truly preparing man in the Son of God, and the Son leading him to the Father, while the Father too confers upon him incorruption for eternal life, which comes to every one from the fact of his seeing God. For as those who see the light are within the light and partake of its brilliancy. Even so, those who see God are in God and receive of his splendor. To kind of help make sense of what Irenaeus just said, let's go to his spiritual grandfather. And that would be the apostle John. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John writes this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears... We will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. My friend BDK uh, of Omega Frequency, he likes to say that we become like what we behold. We become like what we behold. Those in the pure of heart, those who are of purity of heart, undivided, unmixed hearts, seek to see 
God, to behold God, to behold Jesus, to behold the Lord. Similar to 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, that we who with unveiled faces, we are beholding the image of the Lord and we're being transformed from glory to glory into his image. We become like what we behold. And those who has that hope fixed on Jesus purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. The more time Moses spent with God, the more he saw God and the more others could see God moving through Moses. It's powerful. Now, I know, I know how hard it can be to spend time with God. And I think part of the reason is that we all know that we're sinners and sin produces shame. And just like Adam in the garden, when he sinned, he and Eve hid themselves. There's this idea of, of wanting to hide. Sin produces that, that quality of shame, hiding. But the one who knows you best loves you most. The one who knows you best loves you most. Just like God demonstrated to Adam as Adam tried to cover himself with fig leaves that would not remain, that would eventually dry up, shrivel, and fall away. God made skins, garments of skin for Adam and Eve to cover themselves. God himself provided the sacrifice just as he did for Abraham and Isaac and just as he did for us that day on Golgotha, the skull hill, when Jesus, the Lamb of God, laid down his life for sinners, for his enemies. The one who knows you best loves you most, and the more time you spend with him, the more you will trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you'll be devoted to him, and the more you will recognize his activity in the world and in your life, which will spur you on to spend more time with him and trust him more and be more devoted to him and even recognize more of his activity in your life and in the world. It is such a blessing to be undivided in heart and in loyalty, to be unmixed in our motives. We are going to screw up like Peter, but like Peter, let's be undivided. Let's be pure of heart. And just like Jesus revealed himself in mighty ways to Peter, he will reveal himself to you as well. God bless you. That knew me truly 
Then something made me run It's hard to believe in love The kids purely I've been so So wrong 